me anywhere but here and get me out of my own head You put my face through the fire and then lay me in my bed Now let the smell of the smoke remind me that I am not alone Well I'm just human And I'm getting old oh, oh. Just getting old Just getting old Welcome to another episode of This Is Getting Old. I am your host, John, and with me, as always, I have my co-host... Clark! Clark, how is it from the land down below the Mason-Dixon line? (laughs) It's warmer than where you are, that's for sure. Amen to that. I think we're supposed to get, like, negative 20 wind chill. What? Yeah, that's at least that's what I read. I could be wrong, but... If so, that's freaking nuts. It's funny, man. I talked to my Canadian friends, and they're like, it's way too hot down there. But, dude, Noob told me last week that it was like negative 12 or something one day last week. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand how. Like, I, Okay, I'd, I'd rather be, I guess I'd rather be too cold than too hot. I don't know, man. Because I, I, I'd love to live on the equator and be like, on the, like live on a beach forever. But, yeah. um I don't know, man. Maybe not. I'd rather be maybe too hot than too... I don't know. I just... That's too cold. Negative anything's too cold. Well, I mean, also, it depends on uh, where you live on this this earth. If you know what I mean. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That is an interesting way to bring up part two of our discussion about young earth, flat earth. So, I, I just want to interject a little bit and say... We recorded this, I think, what, three weeks ago now? Yes. So we recorded this right after we recorded one of our episodes. It was the next day, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this interview. And I'm like, that's awesome. Let's let's do this. I'm really excited to hear this. And, you know, I'm expecting this to be maybe, we we average, what, about 56 minutes on our episodes sometimes? We've gone long once or twice. It's been over like an an hour and 10 minutes or so. But, yeah, probably average 55-ish. Okay, yeah, and then you sent me a, a picture of the recording, and that it was still recording, and it was at like an hour and like 45 minutes, and I'm like, oh no. Yeah, and we still, we, we just we just moved on from Young Earth to Flat Earth at that time. Yeah. So we, I mean, so, we, I think it was pretty obvious that that was not going to be just one episode. <laughs> Which, you know, honestly, I think I'm happy for, because this is a new way to try something different that we've never tried before. You know, this we've always talked about, you know, the topics at hand and, you know, movies and books and games and, you know, just different concepts that we've talked about, celebrities and everything like that, where now let's literally talk about, we've talked about conspiracy theories before, but let's really look into something that, honestly, people have been talking about, and that's Flat Earth. Yeah, and to me, a conspiracy theory is more of a segmented, like, this group, this population thinks that someone's covering this thing up, whereas maybe the flat earth, young earth is, yeah, yeah there's definitely elements of that, but it's more of like a, a larger um, a larger belief system in a way. Mm-hmm. If this really, the things that, re- like if what he believes and he feels is proven to be true right now, like you'd feel crazy. But at the same time, like in scenarios where 
there are these outlandish theories, I would love to hear, okay, guys, we've proven that you're insane. Like, everything you're thinking of is wrong. I, I wonder if any of those people will ever cop up and be like, oh, yeah, I guess we were just, we were just, you know, we were just trying to go outside the box. And right. Obviously, we were wrong. Like, I don't think ever anyone ever admits to it. They just tooth and nail fight it to the end of end of their time. What's interesting in this internet world we live in now, and I imagine most who are listening at least grew up in the 90s at some point or, or earlier, and so you real, you remember before the internet was mainstream or before it was even around, and so I imagine you under, understand now how much there's like, and I, like fake news is such a buzzword, but like f- information that some blogger put somewhere that someone picked up that like now is 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 fact right it becomes fact even though it's just something that someone said so kind of to like the the anti argument for the young earth flat earth and 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 again like we're not this isn't a count a point counterpoint interview um it's more like here's the information um you guys go go research yourself but like you could almost make a a a point or like a case for almost anything like if someone says hey this is the sky is blue it's like well here is the case for why it's not and you could use facts in someone's blog or you know whatever website this scientist somewhere said this and using the infractured light that i don't know whatever um it's not blue and oh, so it's like oh no daily mail says <laughs> yeah yeah right I exactly mean, or or Huffington Post or The Onion reported this, so it must be true. Yeah. But I don't say that to discredit um, George because I think that, you, again, you guys are going to gonna have to research yourself. But I think this, this next segment, you guys, thank you for listening to the Young Earth section, the first, the first um, episode of this two-part series, I guess. Um, this one is the the because the young earth thing isn't necessarily something I thought about when when I found out this guy was a, a flat earther. I didn't think that young earth even. I mean, I just didn't consider that part. The flat earth part is what I was the most interested in. Um, not that the past episode you listened to last week was bad or anything. It's just this to me was where like the fruit was. This episode you're about to, this interview you're about to listen to right now, this second part. I don't know. I, I think we should uh, let the listeners make their decision after they hear the episode, honestly. So why don't we hand the episode right off to you and Mr. Cuban, and uh, we'll uh, hear what you guys have to say. Let's do it. There's a tree in the hole, in the hole in the ground, and the green grass grows all around, all around, green grass grows all around. And on, that tree, and on that tree, there was a branch, was a branch the strongest little branch, branch that you ever did see. Oh, the branch on the tree, and the tree in the hole, and the hole in the ground, and the green grass grows all around, all around, green grass grows all around. And on that branch, on that branch there, was a nest, there was a nest, the cutest little nest, cutest little nest that you ever did see. Oh, the nest on the branch, and the branch on the tree, and the tree in the hole, and the hole in the ground, and the green grass grows all around, all around, green grass grows all around. So basically, if no one knows about the flat earth, I'll just give you a brief example of what the, what the model for the flat earth is. The earth is a disk, not a ball, 
and I will refer to Earth as a ball because a ball makes the Earth as a globe sound stupid. And really, when you start seeing the science, you will realize that living on a globe is absolutely ridiculous and stupid. Okay, fair enough. So, so Samuel Robotham, he did uh, an experiment called Bedford Levels. Uh, it was in England uh, at actual place called the Bedford Levels. It, it's a canal, and there was a six-mile stretch where it was absolutely straight. There was no bends. There was no curves. It was a perfect six-mile stretch, perfectly straight. So the experiment was he put a telescope just above the water, about eight inches above the water, and he had his friend row down that six-mile stretch with a flag about three feet above, above the waterline. Now, if you don't know about spherical geometry, basically the curvature of the Earth is eight inches per mile squared. So if you go eight in, eight, if you go a mile down, the Earth should curve downward eight inches. If you go two miles, it would be two times two, because two squared is four, and then four times eight for 32 inches. Right. Uh, so then if you go two miles down, the Earth should curve 32 inches. Three miles down, it would be three times three, nine times eight, 72. Now you're talking about six feet of curvature. So he went down six miles. There should have been at least 17 to 18 feet of earth curvature. He should not have been able to see his flag. But his friend went down, and at six miles, he did a wave of a flag. And the whole entire time, he was able to keep that flag on the telescope, which means that there was no noticeable curvature to the Earth because he should not have been able to see it. It should have been at least uh, 11 feet below the Earth's curvature, uh, and it wasn't. It was seen the entire time. He later did an experiment where he put, along the same stretch, flags every mile. And he put them at three feet from the water's line. And he aligned his telescope with the first flag. So if the Earth curves, each flag that he sees should be progressively getting lower to the point where the last flag he shouldn't be able to see because of it going over the horizon, over the curvature. When he looked through the telescope and saw it, all the flags were lined up perfectly flat, showing that there was still no curvature to the Earth. If there was... Each flag should have been dipping down, or there should have been a mound. Because if you go from point A to the very last one, there should be a noticeable mound where that flag should be even even six feet above his head. And nothing. It was a perfectly straight line. Yeah, so my question now, is like, how? So how? Tell me again. How far did this experiment go? Where was the first, the, the, his beginning spot, and then the farthest flag? What's the, what was the distance? Uh, with the flag experiment or the boat experiment? The bo- I'm sorry, the boat experiment. Yeah. A boat experiment, he had the telescope eight inches above the water, and the boat went six miles down, downstream. And the flag was three feet above the water. It should have been at least 11 feet under the curvature of the Earth. If you take into account the eight inches uh, above uh, the telescope was, because that should negate the first mile of curvature. And then the three feet should negate another two or three miles of curvature. There still should have been at least three three miles of curvature that should have the flag been under. So what about a, just that small sample size? What if that was just like a flatter few miles? 
Well, it's over water. And if you believe in the spherical uh, science behind it, water must curve along with the shape of the earth. So that you, you cannot have flat water for that amount of period because of how gravity works. Okay. And I know you're going to laugh, but there's, there's really no such thing as gravity. I'm not going to laugh, I, man. These are all, like, this is all I, just new stuff. I hope that the listeners will research themselves after this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go into gravity real quick. Um, basically, everything can be explained by buoyancy. In high school, I actually questioned gravity because we, we were going through buoyancy, and, I, and the next day I was like, this is confusing. I'm going to ask my teacher a question. I'm like, you know, you see like a hot air balloon float up, and you tell me it's because of buoyancy, but gravity isn't pulling down this hot air balloon. He's like, no, because the air is pushing. It has a greater force pushing up than, than the gravity is pulling down. And in reality, it can all be explained by buoyancy. Um, if you fill that hot air balloon with cold air, it's just going to stay on the ground. Buoyancy. Right, right, right. Because cold air is denser than hot air. Yeah. You heat that air up, it's going to float away. It, it makes more sense about buoyancy. It's just like you throw an anchor in the water. It's going to sink straight down. You throw that same anchor in the air, it's going to fall down even faster. Well, I mean, if gravity is pushing down on it, shouldn't it pull it down at the same equal force? That would yes. make sense. But it doesn't. Gravity is pulling things down, but like a little tiny butterfly can still fight gravity and fly. It, it, it makes no sense. Everything is explained better with buoyancy than there is gravity. So if – I can give you tons of, uh, of examples later. But through water, water has to go through – and, and curve with the earth okay. if gravity is real. So you can't have uh, straight, flat water. But water always finds its level. Okay? I mean, when you want to put up a, a picture up on the wall, you're going to use a level, right? Right. And, and how does it tell you that it's flat? The little, bubble, the little bubbles in the middle. In, in the middle of what? What is that bubble in? It's just in it's water. In water. Okay. Why? Because water always finds its level. Okay. You will never see water curve. It, it is absolutely ridiculous to think that water curves. Okay. And anybody can do an experiment. I did this about a week ago. It, it was fun. It took a couple hours, but it was it was great. Take five glasses, okay, and put them put them in a row, and put water in cups one, three, and five. And leave cups two and four completely empty. Take a paper towel and put a bit of the paper towel into cup one and then put it into cup two. And then take another paper towel and put it into cup two and then put it into cup three. And then do that along the line. And do that at night, wake up the next morning, and all the cups will be at the exact same level. Hmm. I did that for fun with uh, water, with food coloring. Cup three, I put blue water. And then cups one and five, I put yellow water. And I did the same thing, putting in the paper towels into cup one and two, and then two and three, then three and four, and four and five. This one took a little bit longer, but after about 10 to 12 hours, the yellow cups were still yellow, the blue cups were still blue, but the two cups that had no water were perfectly green and perfectly level on top of that. 
because that's what na- that's what water does naturally. It finds its level. It does not curve. And I did one even more for fun. Cup one, I put a ton of water. I filled it all the way up. Cup two was empty. Cup three was half full. And cup five was half full also. It took a little over 24 hours. But after 24 hours doing the same thing with the paper towels, all the water was at the exact same level. <laughs> okay. Because that's what water does. Yeah. So you can't, you can't find a six-mile stretch where it's perfectly straight and then it, it, then it just starts miraculously curving. Because if that were true, then in the oceans you would see mounds of mountains of water waiting to, to, to even out on its curvature. Uh, so a lady named Elizabeth Blunt in 1904 decided to do a same type of experiment on the Bedford levels. And she put a white piece of wood um, at the end of the six-mile stretch. And she hired a photographer to take a picture of it. The photographer says, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. But, you know, he was getting paid, so he did it anyway. And miraculously, he saw it and took a picture of it. And you can see, find that on Google right now if you really wanted to. So in the same area, the three experiments were done to show that the Earth is flat. Okay. And that there was no curvature over the water. And because water has to go with the curvature of the Earth, the best place to look for curvature is in the water. And lighthouses are great examples of how the Earth is not uh, round and that it's not a ball. So, for an example, Dunkirk Lighthouse. It's in France. It can be seen from 28 miles away. 28 miles. With the height of the lighthouse, that should be around 200 feet below the Earth's curvature. And it's not. It can be seen from 28 miles away. Uh, Another lighthouse, Cape Bonavista in Newfoundland, can be seen away from, can be seen as far away as 35 miles. Uh, It should be under about 500 feet of curvature. Uh, And it's just, it's it's just simply not. You can easily see it. Um, Other examples, even farther away, Isle of Wight. England, uh, that's a lighthouse that sh- can be seen from 42 miles away, when it should be under at least around 1,000 feet of curvature. Some other extreme examples is Mount McKinley. That from Anchorage, Alaska can be seen from 130 miles away. Half the mountain should be hidden from curvature, and you can see the mountain from base to summit. Uh, the Statue of Liberty can be seen from 60 miles away. And that should be hidden under at least 2,000 feet of curvature. So there's way too many examples, especially over water, that show that the Earth is perfectly flat and not a huge ball. Okay. There's other things. Um, another interesting thing, and, and I would suggest anybody listening to, to Google this, it's a YouTube video. You can probably check out Hotspot Dog Camp. There was an independent balloon, if you will, with, with the camera. And they just sent it up, and it went into, uh, I guess, low Earth orbit, if you will. And if you look at it, the sun is creating a hot spot directly underneath it. Now, if the sun was 93 million miles away, you wouldn't get a hot spot directly underneath the sun. It, it just wouldn't happen. 
if the sun, as an example, if the sun were the size of a bowling ball, the earth would be the size of a pea. It may be even smaller. There's no way that you would create a little tiny hot spot on a cloud from a sun that big, that far away. And then motion parallax. Motion parallax, if no one knows what motion parallax is, is basically how things move compared to the distance, how far away they are from each other. So, for example, if you're riding on, driving along a road, um, trees that are far away from you don't look like they're moving very fast, while trees really close to you are, like, zooming by you. Right. Right? Yeah. So this camera obviously was shaking up and down a little bit. There was zero motion parallax with the sun. You should have seen the horizon of the Earth moving at a faster rate than the sun because the sun should be barely moving at all, being 93 million miles away. But when the camera was shaking, they were both moving perfectly in sync with each other, Hmm. which suggests that the sun is a very close proximity to the Earth. Which I actually, you know, I forgot I didn't go into the whole entire model of the Earth of being flat. So it's a flat disk. The sun and the moon are on top, rotating around the flat surface. And no one falls off the edge because there is no edge. Antarctica is an ice wall that surrounds the Earth completely, holding in the oceans like a big cup, if you will. And the interesting part, and we can get into it a little bit later, no one's allowed to be on Antarctica. There is an Antarctic treaty that prevents people from independently exploring Antarctica. Oh, so that's back to the, like, someone's controlling this. Right. Um, Because in World War II, there was um, the U.S. Army sent, sent some people out to Antarctica, and they did some nuclear testing down there. Uh, They came back and they said they found a big land with a lot of natural resources, yada, yada, yada. Um, And then about three years later, they completely shut the area down. A bunch of countries signed a treaty. No one's allowed to go on there. Since then, more countries have signed on to this treaty. Um, And you just can't independently explore it. It is completely off limits to everyone. Now, why is it off limits? It makes no sense. It's just... From what we're told, it's just a it's just a sheet of ice. Right. Why keep everybody from it? Well, it's because that is where, and this is where I lose a lot of people. That is where the dome is. Don't turn us off, please. Keep us keep listening. <laughs> right. That is where the dome is. the The military did an operation called Operation Dominic uh, under a smaller operation called Operation Fishbowl. Um, obviously fishbowl sounds like a dome. I mean, you look at a fishbowl and you turn it upside down, it looks like a dome. Yeah. Uh, Operation Dominic is very interesting. Dominic means of the Lord. So they were shooting up nuclear bombs, and they called it Operation Fishbowl of the Lord. Kind of sounds like they found uh, found where the dome starts. Um which, which, which turns a lot of people off. It's like, we live in a dome. It's like, yeah, we live in a dome. And if we want to go back to the Bible, uh, day two, God created the firmament. And the firmament is the dome. It's not just air. It's, it's the dome. 
and in the book of Genesis, basically the Bible is a flat earth book. If you read Genesis chapter 1, and I hope you do after you, you listen to this, on day 4, God created the sun and the moon, and he put it in the firmament. And that's uh, Genesis one fourteen to one eighteen. Created the sun, uh, the greater lights rule the day, and he created the moon, the lesser lights rule the night, and he created the stars also, and he put them in the firmament. Now, if you read further, Genesis chapter one twenty, it says the birds fly in the open firmament of heaven. I don't know about you, but birds don't fly in outer space. Uh, bird, correct. Birds fly in our atmosphere plane. It's not an atmosphere, it's an atmosphere plane. Um, and there's a reason why they're called airplanes, because that's what they're flying over, a plane, not a sphere. That, that's a little humor for you. Yeah, no, I got you, man. I think that's, that's hilarious. The thing, the thing is, though, like I wrote a note down, I wanted to say at the end of the episode, but I know we're not done yet. I was going to say, what's real anymore? Right. Nothing is real. Yeah. If you see it, it's probably a lie. So, um, yeah, they call it Operation Fishbowl of the Lord, and birds fly in to the firmament, and that's where the sun and the moon are. And the sun and the moon are great examples of showing how the earth is actually flat, because temperatures and the way the sun and the moon are actually make more sense on a flat earth than they do on, on, on a ball. Okay, well, see, I... Um... I was always, I always thought, like, I thought that I was thinking outside the box, thinking, hey, you know what, the solar system looks a lot like a molecule. Maybe we're just a big molecule on some bigger something. I was like, man, maybe I'm thinking outside the box. You know? so, no, you see, the way modern cosmology is, we're, we're a little tiny speck around some average-sized sun or star, technically, right. an average galaxy filled with a bunch of trillions of galaxies in an infinite universe that is constantly expanding. Completely contradicts what the Bible says. The Bible says God made us, we're special, and he created this place specifically for us to live in. So what cosmology says is your tiny speck, nowhere. Bible says we are important and we are the center of the universe. And we have a purpose. They are completely at odds with each other. And the Bible supports a young flat earth, completely opposite of what common, uh, what modern-day science is telling us. Um, but if you want to get into the, the sun and the moon, the sun makes way more sense on, on a flat earth than on, than on a spinning ball. So let's just start with the size. Okay, modern science tells us right now that, that the sun is, is, is huge. It is, it is, you can't even really comprehend the size of it. On a flat earth, we, they have guessed the size to be about 30 miles wide, about 3,000 miles up in the sky. They, 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 figured through, they figured that through, through trigonometry. If you've ever seen the sun on a cloudy day, you'll see the sun rays making triangles. I mean, I've seen it a couple of times. I've even taken pictures of it. Um, have you ever seen the clouds break apart yeah. from the sun on a cloud day? Uh-huh. Well, they, they, they triangulate that. And they triangulated it up to about 3,000 miles up at 30 miles wide. Now, that makes sense, seeing that, that those 
great angles of sunlight coming to the Earth. If the sun was 93 million miles away and 400 times bigger than that, than the Earth, you wouldn't see angles of sunlight. They should all be coming perpendicular into the Earth. You should not see sunlight breaking into angles that, that vastly. So that, that does not make sense for a ball, but it makes perfect sense for a smaller sun closer to the Earth on a flat Earth. So wait, so wait, did you explain what, we're, what are we looking at during an eclipse? Okay, well, I can get into the eclipse now if you want me to. So the, the eclipse, it makes more sense. You see, what they tell us is that the sun is about 400 times bigger than the moon and 400 times far, far further away. That's why they look about the same size. And that's why they perfectly eclipse each other when we see eclipses. Right. It makes more sense that the sun and the moon are actually the same size. And they actually eclipse each other because they are perfectly the same size close to each other. Now, the shadow. Uh, you know, like, was it a year ago or two years ago we had that eclipse? And yeah, that's fine. to certain destinations and because they, they wanted to see the full eclipse and the shadow covering them up. Yeah. Okay, so let, let, let's logically think about this. Let's say you were to make a hand puppet. You take your flashlight, put your hand in front of the wall, and then you see the shadow, right? Right. Can you give me, can you describe this shadow for me? Let's say you put your hand there, and, and you saw your hand on the shadow. That shadow of your hand is going to be pretty huge, right? right. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be massive. So then why is it that the shadow that the moon created from the eclipse was only 70 miles wide? Doesn't make any sense. Mm. The shadow of the moon got progressively smaller and smaller and smaller until it hit the earth. That makes no sense. If you, anybody can do this, just take a little shadow and see. You put the light source closer to your hand, it's just the shadow is going to get big. Now, on a flat Earth, if the moon and the sun are about 30 miles wide, the shadow should be bigger than 30 miles. And it is. It's 70 miles wide. So it makes more sense that the moon's shadow has gotten bigger. Where it doesn't make sense is if the moon is one quarter the size of the Earth, why is it making such a small, tiny shadow on the planet? makes absolutely no sense. Hey, you're hitting very good shadows, points. Very good points. Shadows get bigger. So if you start off with a 30-mile moon, it should create a, about a 70-mile shadow, and that's what it did. It makes more sense for a flat Earth than it does on a round Earth. Um, the other things that, that make no sense for a ball and make perfect sense for a flat Earth is, is temperatures of Antarctica and... And the North Pole. In the current model that we have, the sun being 93 million miles away and the Earth being a little tiny speck, you would expect temperatures for both poles to be the same. The Earth is, is at a tilt of 23.4 degrees. Hey, fun fact for you. What's uh, 23 degrees uh, off vertical? You want to do, do that quick math? What's 90 degrees minus 23.4 degrees? I'll tell you. It's 66.6. Satan. There you go. Again, maybe a little tiny conspiracy, but hey, what are the odds that it <laughs> equals 66.6? Yeah. So, 
if we're living on a ball and the ball is tilted, it's axial tilt at 23.4 degrees and the sun is 93 million miles away, the temperatures at both poles should be very, very similar. But they're not even close to similar. The North Pole usually has summers around 60 degrees. If you get, get, go to about Alaska, uh, it should have about six, it has about on average 60 degree summers. Uh, the South Pole, minus 14 degrees. That makes no sense on a ball. They should roughly have the same about, about amount of temperature. Wintertime, North Pole averages about minus 10 degrees. Uh, South Pole, same time in the wintertime, minus 70. Again, a 60-degree difference. Makes no sense on a ball. But I will tell you why it makes sense on a flat Earth in a second. Another thing that doesn't make sense on a ball is the midnight sun. In the North Pole, you can see the sun not set for three straight days. Um, but you don't see that in the South Pole, which, again, makes no sense. If they're both tilted at the same degree and it's a big sun, then in the summertime in the South Pole, there should be three days where do not see the sunset, and there is no proof that shows that that has ever happened. Now, if you look at the flat Earth, it makes perfect sense. Now, this is where you're going to probably want to take out a map. Uh, the sun rotates around the Earth in a circle from east to west, obviously because the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. It rotates around the Tropic of Cancer in the summertime for the North Pole. Then it slowly winds towards the south, going through the equator in the spring, autumn. And then in the northern winter, it's circling around the Tropic of Capricorn. Now, it has to speed up the further it goes south because it has to keep a 24-hour cycle. So in the north, it's rotating slower and closer to the North Pole so you can see it. As it goes out further, um, the north then gets winter the south gets summer but it's rotating at a much faster speed and that's why the arctic wall or antarctica always stays cold it just doesn't get the sunlight to stay warm and that's why you can't see a midnight sun because the other half of antarctica is completely in the dark because it's on the other side of where the sun is wow does that make sense it makes yeah it makes sense absolutely yeah it, it, it makes more sense now, people will laugh at that. It's like, okay, so now the sun is revolving around the top of the earth, and then it's spinning at a faster rate. And I'm like, well, if you look at what, co what modern-day cosmology says, the sun is 93 million miles away, okay? And the earth, let's, let, let's look at the equator. The equator is about 100 degrees, okay? The North Pole is about 40 or 50 degrees. That is a difference of, like... 50 degrees, but only if you look at a ball, if you, if you look at the, in the sense of a ball, you're only talking about 2,000 miles of difference when you're comparing it to 93 million miles away. If you percentage that out, it's only 0.00004% further from the equator to the pole when you're talking about 93 million miles away. That that. That shouldn't even register a temperature change. If I took away from your bank account 0.00004% of your money, are you even going to notice that? Probably No, probably not. Right. So why is there a big temperature difference with that small of a percentage? It makes no sense. And, and, and NASA tells us that the equator on Mars 
is at 70 degrees. The exact same temperature, roughly, close to it, that uh, Alaska is in the summertime. Alaska is only technically about two to 3,000 miles away from our equator, while Mars's equator is about 45 million miles further away. Hmm. So why is Alaska and Mars's equator the exact same temperature? Great Does question. Does that make sense? Does not make sense. Now, if you look at a ball, it makes, it makes more sense. The sun is still rotating around, and it's closer, and it's getting further away. So it almost doubles the distance away in the wintertime than it is in the summertime. So are you going to notice a 0.00004% change, or are you going to notice a 50% change? It makes more sense if the sun's 50% further away or twice as far away. You're going to notice it, and, you, and the temperature is going to change. It makes more sense on a flat Earth than it does on a ball Earth. Day and night. Okay. We have day and night because the Earth spins at a 24-hour rate um, at about 1,000 miles an hour at the equator because uh, the equator is supposedly about 25,000 miles in circumference. So every 24 hours, the Earth spins. And let's just say, for an example, side, side A is facing the sun and side B is facing away. Okay, but let's just say in this example, the Earth isn't rotating around the sun. Okay, so if the Earth spins 24 hours later, A is still facing the sun and B is still facing away from the sun. Correct? Correct. Okay, so we're going to keep that same spin, but now we're going to rotate the sun around the Earth around the sun. Six months later, A is now facing away from the sun and b is now facing towards the sun correct yes it's, if it's keeping the same rotation it, it has to be a is still facing in the same direction but now it's facing away from the sun and b is facing towards the sun okay it doesn't make sense and this is why in our first example let's say a is 12 noon and b is 12 midnight six months later 12 noon is now dark and 12 midnight is now daytime. If it keeps the same perfect 24-hour rotation, the clocks would have to constantly be changing to keep in face with the sun. Right. It makes no sense on a ball. It makes more sense that the sun is the only thing rotating, and we're motionless. And because the sun is constantly rotating at the same speed, our clocks and stuff always are, are perfect. Because if you technically look at it, if it's facing the sun six months later at the exact same time, it should be completely opposite. It should not be facing the sun in the dark, which, again, is another example of why we can't be living on a ball. It makes more sense that we're living on a flat earth with the sun constantly at the same speed rotating over the earth than us spinning around the sun and rotating around it. Oh man, this is some interesting content. But really, you have to take a minute to pause for an ad break. Okay, I'm anxious to know, to hear your thoughts on because uh, we kind of, we briefly kind of touched it, but like what what's wrong with NASA? Oh man, dude, you can't. NASA's terrible. You can't you you can't trust NASA on anything. They and, and I'll, I'll tell anybody right now, they never landed on the moon, and. I was in high school. I didn't even believe that they landed on the moon because I was like, come on, man. It's been 30 years. Why haven't they gone back 
They haven't done anything. They haven't sent a satellite up there. They haven't gone back up. I'm like, this is like one of the greatest accomplishments in human history, and we've never gone back. And this is back in 1995. It's now been 23 more years later, and we still haven't gone back to the moon, and we still haven't gone uh, sent a satellite back up there. Why? It makes no sense. I mean, if you think about it, sending a man to the moon was the greatest accomplishment humans have ever done. Right. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. So why haven't we gone back there? Did that is a good question. Absolutely everything about the moon in one trip. Well, don't they tell us like the funding reasons or something? Like, there's no, 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 no. I'll tell you why we we um, we didn't go back to the moon. We didn't go back to the moon because we never went there in the first place. So what about the? Isn't there like a Mars rover right now on the surface yeah, of Mars? In, yeah, that's that's in the on the surface of Arizona. <laughs> Okay, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so let me go back to the moon. One of the first original astronauts was not happy with the space program. He basically called the the spacecraft junk. And he actually took a picture of the spacecraft with a picture of a lemon in front of it. Now, now what do we call a lemon? A car that doesn't work. Yeah, a lemon. He, he was upset with NASA because they wanted to quickly put somebody up in space without the safety. Um, and they, they, they didn't care. They just wanted to hurry up because they wanted to beat the Russians. And that's all it was. They, they got beat by the Russians, who probably faked that also. And they wanted to speed it up to make America look good again. Uh, the fact is that that astronaut was then killed in a fire um, before takeoff. Sounds like they, they, they just wanted to get rid of somebody who was giving them problems. Because they knew that he wouldn't go along with the lie. Um, when the astronauts came back and they were interviewed, they, they all looked depressed. They didn't look happy. I mean, you can look at um, a video of them. They, they don't look like they accomplished one of the greatest things on, on the planet. Um, it, it looked pretty pathetic. And there's a video, I think, of uh, Buzz Aldrin or something basically saying that they never went to the moon. Hmm. I mean, there's other stuff. Uh, they, they lost the telemetry data. Um, they, they said, you know, we would like to duplicate going back to the moon, but we can't find it. I, I, excuse me? You, you can't find it? <laughs> your, your whole entire job, the whole reason your department exists is to explore space. You sent a man to the moon and you lost it? I mean, they're not even trying to cover it up at this point. They know that the lie is so deep and everyone believes it that they don't even hide it anymore. They lost the telemetry data. One guy interviewed said, even if we found the telemetry data, we couldn't play it back anyway because the technology doesn't exist. Excuse me? You are a department in the government that basically gets $50 million a day. If you found telemetry data that sent you to the moon, wouldn't you pay like Sony or Apple or IBM a couple hundred million dollars to say, hey, can you make me an old VCR? Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense. That's funny. They say they lost it because they never had it to begin with. And as far as like Mars um, and, and other things, there was a picture of Mars's landscape and there was another picture 
exactly the same picture of an aerial spot in Arizona. Now, what are the odds that Arizona exactly looks like Mars with rocks in the same formation? I mean, there's a, what are the odds? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's it's not possible. I mean, let let let's let's be realistic. I mean, I've, I've asked some atheists that same question, like, "Oh, yeah, that that could be totally possible." I'm like, "No, it can't." I mean, it's not possible for the exact same landscape and undulations and hills and rocks being placed exactly the same on Arizona as it is Mars. Moon flights. They they have um, videos of air bubbles. In, the, in their videos. That sounds crazy, but NASA has said that they actually train their astronauts in large pools because it mimics uh, weightlessness and no gravity. So they, they probably, what they did is they filmed them in these big water tanks and they didn't, air, they didn't correct the bubbles that were floating in the air. I mean, it's really, 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 really bad. Uh, there were pictures of Buzz Aldrin with his friend behind a mountainscape. And they had the exact same mountainscape on one of the pictures of he when he was on the moon. Basically, they just airbrushed the guy out, or they just took that as the background, and then they filmed their their thing somewhere probably in Arizona or Area 51 or wherever they decided to film that. I mean, you've heard the Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you know that uh, uh, lyric that they have... Uh, Space may be the final frontier, but it's made in a Hollywood basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that song. Yeah, yeah, dude. They were 20, 30 years ahead of their time. They even knew back then that space is it's non-existent. They didn't land on the moon. And space is non-existent if we're living in a dome. You can't crack that 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 dome shield. So yeah, they never they never landed on the moon. Uh, and then they say that they can't get to the Van Allen radiation belts. Uh, it's it's apparently a belt of high radiation that basically destroys anything and can kill you fairly easily. And basically, they sent the astronauts up there in a little aluminum can, and and they and they survived it. But now they can't get through that because now there is an NASA video out there saying we would like to go this, but we still have to figure out how to get to the Van Allen radi- radiation belt. I'm like, didn't you technically go through that when you went uh, to the moon? Back in 1963 or so? Yeah. Right. No, because they never went up there. That is the more logical explanation. And NASA even says right now the highest they can send anybody into space is low Earth orbit, which is about 350 to 400 miles up in the, in, up in the sky. Did somebody jump out of a plane or something and, like, film that at that distance? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a Red Bull dive. I forgot the guy's name. Uh, but he jumped out from low Earth orbit also. And um, if you look, there were two camera shots of it. Um, one showed the Earth was flat, and that was the outside camera. But that used a special lens. Uh, usually GoPros have it. Uh, it. It distorts things from far away and makes it look curved. If you actually saw the camera from inside the cockpit and looked, it looked perfectly straight and flat. Really? Yeah, you can probably find that video on, on uh, YouTube. And I've seen it on YouTube before. I don't know what you'd have to, uh, what title to look for. But yeah, just look up Red Bull Dive. And you can see that on the outside it looks curved. But if you look at the inside one that doesn't use one of those fish-eyed angle lenses, it looks, the horizon looks perfectly straight. 
And, and another thing, uh, when you get on a plane, this, this is the best way to tell if the, if the earth is a ball or if it's flat. If you're on a ball, the higher you go up in altitude, you have to constantly look down at the horizon because the horizon is technically the curvature of the earth. So the higher you go, you have to keep looking down. No matter how big the ball that you're living on is, you have to look down the higher you go up to see the curve. Um, but if you're on an extended plane, the ground should continuously move up to your eye level because that's that is a characteristic of a plane. And if you go up on on top of an air, if you go on an airplane and you're up twenty thousand feet, you're not looking down at the Earth's curvature. the The horizon is constantly moving up with you. I've been on a plane many times, and the, the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it's right. If you're on a ball, you should constantly have to look down and see, see the horizon, but you don't. The horizon constantly moves up to your eye level, which is a characteristic, a characteristic of an extended plane. Very interesting. Which most people don't really realize. Another thing about uh, a ball or a flat plane is a Coriolis effect an effect that you have to take into the Earth's uh, rotation. Uh, for instance, like if a sniper were to shoot a gun, he would have to account for the Earth's rotation and, and move it six, let's say six inches or so. Um, but the funny thing is planes don't have to take effect into effect the, the Coriolis effect. Now, if they're in the air flying in the atmosphere just like a bullet, why are they not having to take into effect the Coriolis effect, but a bullet has to. Doesn't make much sense. No. In my opinion. Uh, another thing is Polaris, the North Star. Everything looks like it's spinning around the Polaris, the North Star. If you take time-lapse photography and, and see Polaris, if it's pinpoint in the center, you will see everything time-lapse spinning around that. Now, what are the odds that a star is perfectly in the center of our North Pole and not moving? If the Earth is rotating and it's spinning around the sun and the sun is spinning around the, the galaxy and the galaxy is moving, why does that star stay perfectly fixed over the North Pole? doesn't make much logical sense. Now, if we're on a flat plane and the planet was created this way, then it makes sense that Polaris is in the middle and always stays in the middle and everything is rotating around the flat Earth. That makes more sense. And the last thing, and, and this, is, uh, this is a killer for NASA, not only their fake videos and the fact that they can't get anybody to the moon and, and Mars is really recorded in Arizona, there's, there's a NASA document, uh, 1207, uh, and I recommend everybody to search this out. NASA document 1207. It's basically a, a document that goes through um, how planes fly and all the math that's used into it, the telemetry data of, of uh, planes. And in the introductory and summary, in the very first chapter, it says in, uh, in the form, yada, 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 for a plane to fly over a non-rotating flat earth and it says it twice in an official nasa document now mm. why is nasa saying that a plane is flying over a flat non-rotating earth if the earth is not flat and is rotating doesn't make much sense yeah 
it makes more sense that if you're going to do all this math and all this science for a plane to be flying, why would you do it for a non-rotating flat Earth if you're flying over a rotating round Earth? does not make any sense. Very good point. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't trust NASA. And, and NASA was also created right when they found, um, when I was talking about uh, Operation Dominic and Fishbowl. They realized there was a dome. The, the plan would be, make, let's make sure people don't get up into space and realize that we're on a flat Earth. Let's um, control space. So then space was taken over by the government and all the other governments ever since. So let me ask you one or, last question, though. To that same point, like what what's the worst that could happen if all of a sudden tomorrow we all wake up and we all realize, yes, it's a flat Earth? What's like, how, why is that bad? No, I think it, honestly, I think it would be great. I think for the, the, the people in charge or in power or most people, let, let, let's say, um, you can't wake up and see a flat Earth in a dome and think that just happened by accident. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you live on a flat Earth and it's completely covered in a dome and the sun and the moon were rotating around this flat plane, you know it was done and made on purpose. I believe from the God of the Bible. And that's where it boils down to. People just don't want to believe in God. I think it's what, what it technically boils down to. I think most people are happy doing whatever they want, not caring who they hurt, doing whatever they want for fun and not having to basically answer to God. And once people find out the world is flat, they, they, they've got no choice but to do that. And I just don't think people don't want to do that. They want to be their, their own gods of their own universe, basically, I think. They don't want to be told what to do. Because at that point, you, you can't lie, you can't cheat, you can't kill, you can't steal, you, you can't commit adultery. I mean, you can't do a lot of things that people love to do nowadays. I think that's what it boils down to. Okay, so one more, th- one more. Qu- I have one more question. Is there sure, a way no. that so if I spent everything you just said, I took a lot of notes, but I'm gonna do some research myself. Um, right. If I'm to explain to someone, they're like, I'm walking into work, right? So you, this right. is the elevator speech deal. What what is what's the quickest way to try and prove to them that the Earth is flat? What's the best way to prove the quickest way? The quickest way. What two two points do it right? Oh man! The elevator speech. I mean, mean, if you were telling, hey, look, get on YouTube and check out Dog Camp. I mean, that shows an extended plane with the with the sun hot spot right down on the sun on on the clouds. I mean, that's a quick example. Um, But if you wanted to, I mean that. The, the tough part is we don't see very far distances. Like there's not really a lot of extended land that you can just see for miles upon miles upon miles. And basically, your eyesight—that's what happens with your eyesight. I mean, if you look at an extended uh, hallway, like in movies, you, you know the ceiling comes down towards your eyesight, then the floor comes up towards your eyesight, then the left wall works its way towards the middle, and so does the white. Like it all looks like it's going to focus right into the middle. Right. That, that is basically the horizon. It's not an actual curvature. It's just how your eyes work. Um, but that's really hard to prove to someone. I mean, you could probably tell them to do the water experiment. Okay, well, I mean, here's what I think. The water experiment, the hotspot dog cam, and then the NASA document 1207. 
Yeah, NASA document 12, so that is a legitimate NASA document that, that claims that the Earth is flat and non-rotating. Oh, then maybe ask we, the moon, like, why have we not been back to the moon? That's a good one. Yeah, yeah I mean, for the most part, you've got to start off with, with the moon landing. If someone believes that we landed on the moon today, there's no chance that they'll believe that the Earth is flat. If they're open to the idea that the that we never landed on the moon, then they'll probably be open to the Earth being flat. Hmm. Good point. Because another reason why people don't believe is that they honestly, I don't think they want to acknowledge that they were being lied to this badly. I mean, think about it. everything you see from NASA showing around Earth and all this stuff. Which, by the way, NASA does not have an actual photo of the Earth. They're all computer. Uh, uh, generated composites, but yet they have an actual what they claim to be a photo of Pluto, which to me is funny. How can't you get you can get a satellite far enough out into space to take a picture of Pluto, but you can't get one far enough out in space to take a picture of the Earth? I and mean, that's a little ridiculous. And if you look at it, there's a big shadow of Pluto on Pluto, and yes, I mean the Disney dog Pluto on Pluto. Pluto on Pluto. Yes. Yes, it's it's hilarious, and 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 actually NASA has actually admitted to arranging their photos because they, they they use Photoshop. You will see same uh, cloud patterns on the Earth. And what are the odds that the same cloud formation is in multiple different areas? It, it's it, it's it's impossible. And they actually even have a photo of the Earth with sex written out in cloud form. Check what? that one out. That's uh. It's like that's the Lion King reference one. when he like falls down and it spells sex or whatever. Right, yeah. Clouds don't spell sex. <laughs> and you don't you don't have twenty same cloud patterns on the Earth. The funny thing is there is supposedly a video that NASA took of the Earth rotating in a twenty four hour period. And in that twenty four hour period, the clouds did not change shape. Hmm. That that doesn't happen. That just does not happen. All right, so we are um getting close to wrapping this. I just wanna say if you guys have stayed and listened to this whole thing, I hope you did. Um, there were 600 people listening last episode. I hope you guys stayed to listen to this one. Go do the research. Don't don't turn it off when you hear. You know, it's easy to it's easy to say, "Hey, this guy's a kook because he doesn't believe what I believe." Well, do the research. It sounds a lot. Of, I mean, I've got a lot of notes here, and I I don't mind sharing these notes with anyone on our Facebook page that wants to, you know, wants to talk to me about them. And um, I just want to know. Um, George, are you do you are you okay with people contacting you? Do you want any kind of like a shout out to your social media? What do you want to do? Um, I mean, it's, I guess uh, I mean if they want to email me, I guess you can give them my email address. Because you're now the, the you're like the expert now, right? So I mean, like, I, ask the expert. I'm not an expert. I just like I question stuff. I decided to look it up, and then when I finally looked it up, I'm like, holy crap, this actually makes more sense. Okay. Like all the doubts I had about. Uh, gravity and buoyancy and NASA and all and, and all other stuff. I'm like, hey, this actually makes sense. And don't get me wrong, when I first started researching it, I I, I researched it thinking it was a complete joke, and I'll take a couple hours, laugh at it, and then move on. But then the science experiment after experiment shows like, wow, the Earth is actually flat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Like I. I knew that you were going to be be a real good interview. I knew you was, this was going to be awesome because you, you taught you've taught me a whole lot. I knew you're going to teach our, our audience a whole lot, and I just I just appreciate your time, man. Well, hopefully it was awesome. I mean, I don't 
being a person who's researched it, it's not it's not new to me. So I don't know what your take on learning all this stuff is like. Most of this stuff is this stuff that you just learn now, first time hearing it. Well, I um, I mean, I, I did enough research to to kind of know what direction you're going to go in. And as a matter of fact, if you look, I looked up an article that 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 pretty much explained a lot of the things that you were going to go into. Um, right. But one thing at the end, it, it said it said is like, if the if the flat earther that you're talking to can't get around that there's a global conspiracy, he's probably wrong. Like, why, why is that? But it's just it's just it's just funny because every article, you know, anyone can put an article out there. I mean, it doesn't really have to be a global conspiracy. It, everything can just be done from the top down. For instance, people at NASA probably think we're living on a ball. You only need the very top people of NASA to know that it's a lie. You don't need the scientists doing the math to actually see it go into space. They're actually doing the work. The guy making the satellite thinks he's actually making a satellite. You only need very few top people to know that it's a lie. And everyone else just believes it. It's oh, not yeah. really that hard. I guess people would have aged out, too, the folks who like were in the studio filming the fake moon yeah. landing, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they probably don't last very long, or they're paid very well to keep the lie. Um, and anyone who probably finds out about the lie, I mean, let's face it, they'll probably be gone in a heartbeat. Just like that astronaut who didn't like the, the first trip to the moon. I mean, what are the odds that the only guy who's not happy with it ends up dying? Right. I mean, it sounds crazy, but is it really? Well. I mean, if you still think Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy, uh, I'm sorry. That, that he, no, he didn't. Uh-oh, this is a whole other podcast we're getting into. Oh, dude, dude there, there, there's you can so come back. You can come that, back for our JFK conversation. How's that? Oh, how about that 9-11? Because 9-11 was a complete inside job on top of that. <laughs> we would do a whole, I, like, conspiracy we actually we did a conspiracy theory episode once. I would have loved to have been on that show. Yeah, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't like to that depth. We didn't talk. We talked about like like not widely known. We didn't want. We didn't want like we were just starting our podcast. We didn't want to get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like we weren't uh, trying to push too many buttons. We we're trying to get some listeners at that point. Right. <laughs> no conspiracy theories are good because like once you're open to the flat Earth, then you can start seeing other conspiracy theories. And saying, okay, well, that's viable, and that one's viable. There are some that I looked into, and like, no, that that that's not possible. I'm sorry, I just won't, I won't buy into that one. Cool. So you'll be, so you you will come back. This wasn't a bad experience for you. Oh no, I mean, if you want me back to talk about something else, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it. If, if if I know enough info about it, I've been studying this stuff for a while now, so I, I felt like I, I could at least talk about the topic and not make it sound completely stupid or ignorant. All right, man. Well, again, thank you for your time, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Well, welcome back. That was that was part two. It came to a conclusion, and even when we finished that that second part, um, George or Cuban or Jorge, whatever you want to call him, he uh, was he thought he said, "Oh man, I forgot to say." And there's like three or four more points he wanted mm-hmm. to hit. So, if you guys don't mind, well, I think at some point we're going to bring it back on for another conspiracy theory episode. Maybe I'll devote a segment to like, hey, what did you forget to say? I think he really wanted to get back on here and finish what he had to say, but man, I had to cut him off. That was going really long. The information was really good. And I think you should have an open mind enough to, to, to say, okay, here's what he believes, why, and just look it up. Figure, like, 
if you may read it and be like, okay, this is hokey, or you may read it and be like, you know what, he's got a point. But either way, go to Facebook and tell us what you think. I mean, you could believe in aliens all you want, but how many times have people watched ancient aliens just to know that you want to learn about what you want to argue against? So whether or not you believe in what people say or not, you should at least listen to what they have to say so that you can show them your opinion and why you defer you know, a different opinion than the other person. So now that you've listened to the episode, and now that I am more educated myself, so Flat Earth isn't like a paper-thin piece of, it's not like a piece of paper. I mean, clearly you can look out and see that it's not. And there are some pretty good points in there about it being more like a, a bowl. Um, there's some good points about why have we not been back to the moon? I mean, we... Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, those are, real, those are fair, really fair points. I mean, think think about it for yourself. And it's been, you know, it's been years, several decades since we've been to the moon. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've thought about that for years. So uh, the fact that he made those valid points, you know, I totally understand that. And there's a lot of questions that I do have about space and NASA and all that stuff. And honestly, he he brought up a lot of good points that I, for years, I've thought about. But at the end of the day, it's not about what my opinion matters more than one person or another his opinion matters more than anyone else it's you know it's a collective uh, world that we lived in now or we live in now that honestly anybody can have their own points and everyone's going to argue them no matter what that's just the way we live today okay so okay now we're de- we're, we're at the end of both of these these two uh, it's one interview but these two parts of this one interview we got to be on. We got to be honest with our listeners. So, so let me ask you a question: Did anything that happened in the, in the two interviews change your mind on anything? Um, I'm not going to say yes, <laughs> and that's because I'm very stubborn. I've always been stubborn, and it yeah. takes a lot to change my opinion on something. I'm that person yeah. who, whether something's whether that screw is stripped or not, I'm going to get that screw out where it needs to be. So, yeah. So I will stick with it as much as I can. So I'm very much that persistent person who's going to stick with my opinion until it's literally shown the proof in my face, whether or not it's real or not. So kind of to his point then, like, well, how much research have you done? How, like, oh, yeah? you just feel this way because you feel this way? I mean... No, how I, valid is your is you just film this way versus him actually researching it? No, and I I, I agree with you on that. Um, I do think that a lot of my stuff is the opinion that of things that I've learned over time. I mean, the amount of documentaries and research that I've done personally, um, not just particularly on one topic, but I mean, I watch so many different documentaries because I'd like to hear different perspectives on things. So I'm not just, you know, sticking by one point and refusing to listen to anything else. I'm listening to other people's opinions. I just don't think a lot of people can change my opinion unless you truly show me the evidence right in front of my face. Yeah, I got you. So he didn't offer enough evidence to prove without a shadow of a doubt to you. Yeah, that's that's my okay. opinion. What about you? And I'm, I'm similar. I, I think that he has some valid points. I don't think... I think... I haven't researched to his level either, so kind of to his to his point, I don't think that I'm knowledgeable enough to say okay you're you're wrong to him. 
but I do kind of agree with what you're saying is like as a collective human you know humanoids human species like we collectively believe the earth is round yeah we believe the sun's a ball of gas we believe the earth rotates around the sun we believe there are other <laughs> planets we believe there are other solar systems we believe there's other galaxies we believe in a larger universe and I just don't know that there's so many people against the Bible, like he said, that, that there's this, it's got to be, I mean, it's got to be a global conspiracy. Someone, someone somewhere is pulling the strings on this. And I read an article, like I said in that interview, that said, okay, if you're, if the person you're arguing against, which I wasn't arguing, I was just trying to get information about what he believed. But if it comes down to like, there's got to be a, a global mm -hmm. conspiracy, then it's probably not, you know, it's probably not accurate. Uh, but then again, if it's a good conspiracy, if it's a, if it's true, then they're doing a good job. The Illuminati's doing a great job, or whoever, right? So anyway, I just yeah. so so for me, I I it, I didn't change my opinion, but it did um, make me want to research more. So I still I, I will do some more research. I've done I did a little bit, but I will do some more. And so I think. Okay. I think that's kind of his goal. Like, in every you know, in every exchange we have as humans with each other, like we have some kind of a reason for doing it. So, he came on the show. He used his time. You know, he 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 was great. Graciously gave us his time, and I appreciate that. Uh, but for his, for him to be for his gain, he got his voice. His voice can be heard. And so, if he can make me, yeah, right. If he can make me research something that I didn't think about before, then. You know, he did his his goal has been met, I believe. Okay, I agree with you on that philosophy completely. Okay. So I have one final question for you. What's been grinding your gears? I've I've grown um, increasingly pissed off in the last twenty minutes. <laughs> Here's what's grinding my gears. Now that it's getting closer to tax season, we're getting our W twos coming in, mm -hmm. and I'm I, you know I look at our budgets and I just think, man. We'd be in such a better spot if we didn't have these student loans. So my, my wife and I both went to the University of Georgia, but we both, there's a program called the HOPE program that pays for like a large portion of your, of your tuition. Mm -hmm. it, does, it didn't pay for books. I don't know what it does now, but it didn't pay for books when we were going through college, but it paid for like the tuition part, which was, you know, the thousands of dollars books was a couple hundred. So it paid the, the majority of it. Um, you had to maintain an A or B average, and so I messed around my first year and didn't maintain A or B, and so I spent the last, you know, the last almost three years just pulling it back up. But in those years to finish, I had to take out some loans, and she she did she kind of did the same thing, and the problem with the with loans now are like they they just hand them out. Yeah, because they don't care about whether or not you. You're, how much you're taking? They care about how much investment they're getting back. Oh yeah, and I've paid. I've paid what I what I spent on college. Both of us have paid that like tenfold. Now we're paying the interest, basically. Yep. Um, we're paying like what they're what they're making on it. So as long as I'm paying my bills, like they're like it's all profit for them. So I guess what's grinding my gears is just just the fact that like number one, I probably should have not messed around the first. You know, just kind of in retrospect, the first semester but or the first four year pretty much but uh, also that like the student loans are just way out of hand i, I read an article last week about st uh, student loan is student loan debt is up to a trillion dollars or so 
Um, it's like in the hundreds of billions at least. And I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, that's got to yeah. tank the economy. That's got to have a problem, cause a problem. It just adds on to all the problems that really is going on with, especially like America, with all the debts and all the random crap that we pay money for that you look into it and you're like, I'm never seeing this back. I really don't have too much grind in my gears. I guess let's turn uh, the head on this a little bit and talk about the good things in life. For instance, um, baseball's coming back. Um, you know, spring training's coming on close to here. But I will say, the one thing that always drove me nuts about baseball is right when free agency starts, you always get the teams of, oh, the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Yankees are all interested in these players. I'm like, great, because you have all the money in the world and you guys are just willing to spend and do whatever the hell you want. I get it. Great. Awesome. Glad the sport is you know, getting better because of people like you. But then it always drove me nuts that you have the team like, I think it's like the Twins, the Minnesota Twins and the San Diego Padres, who they never, I feel like they never win their division. They never go anywhere. They, they never feel like they're truly in building mode because it always puts their names as, oh, this person is interested in bringing in Bryce Harper. Why? Why? You have no shot. Stop telling me you're interested in this player. It's Take your name off the list. You shouldn't even be, you know. That's why I love when I see uh, teams with players that have no trade clause. And you look on their list of play, uh, teams that would be no traded to. And you always see, like, San Diego or, you know, the Minnesota. Because it's not so much the cities that you want don't want to go to. It's the stupid organizations <laughs> that you don't want to go to. It's just funny that you brought up Minnesota because that's still a, that's still a sore spot for us Atlanta Atlanta folk. 1991, they did win the World Series. And they, they beat us. They beat us in four, four games to three right there at the end. And let's not forget, they were really good for a while with Justin Morneau and uh, uh, what's his, oh, Joe Maurer. Like, they had some really good players back in the day, but they got old. They traded everybody away. They couldn't recycle pitching to save their lives. And pretty much it just looks like they have good fielders and hitters that average about 240. 240's good these days, right? So, oh, my God. It, I won't even... You know what? That'll be my next... <laughs> grinds my gears. I'll You're getting increasingly angry. Yeah. We'll talk about baseball later when it comes close to baseball time. All right. So, if anybody would else like to find of our previous episodes, please go to anchor.fm slash gettingold or gettingoldpod.com. Um, there you can subscribe to our uh, page and you will get a weekly email from us every time we update the podcast, uh, every time we update the website or we insert new episodes, you'll get an email for that. Um, you could also find us at our Facebook group at This Is Getting Old. You could also find us at our Facebook fan page at This Is Getting Old Podcast. I'm trying to push that one as much as we can. That's like our business page, more or less. Um, the other one is more of a tight-knit group where people post and do whatever the heck they want on there, and it's a great little community. And finally, we will be having a YouTube channel. I will post the link below the episodes. Um, I don't have the URL properly set up yet, but it's my you know, personal YouTube channel. And there we will be putting all our teasers and little clips from the episodes if you are interested in them. Um, then it will show you that uh, 
you might be interested in the actual episode itself. So we'll be posting there those on YouTube. Very good. I'm excited to be in the YouTube game, man. Well, if you have any other final thoughts? Not really. I just, I mean, that's a lot. This These last two episodes have been a lot to take in, the flat earth and the, the young earth. And I think that, again, like, go research it. Figure it out yourself. I mean, you believe what you want to believe. That doesn't, you know, whatever. But... Like just take the time to kind of look up what he what he's what he's saying because some of it, mm-hmm. some of it is pretty compelling. Well, I'm hoping we can find a new pocket of the internet that we haven't reached yet with this. So I'm hoping that we can, uh, you know, get some new listeners. This has been getting old. Old. Cause I've heard the time of my life. And this is getting old too.